welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about Amtrak Joe, amateur detectives, so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Hope Never Dies by Andrew Schaefer. Joining us to discuss this real-person fan fiction about our 44th president and vice president are Anna and Aline, the bellwether friends, here for another special Worst Best Friends crossover event. Hi! If you're not familiar with the Bellwether Friends, they are an excellent podcast where uh, they are librarians who we trust, and they tell us their pop culture opinions. And they they started as a podcast right around the same time that we did, so we are very close, um, very astrologically compatible. <laughs> now we're all in the same state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got it. We've got it all. Yes. And let's just greet them separately in case people are not familiar with Bellwether Friends so they can try to tell your voices apart. Hello, Anna. I'm Anna. <laughs> and I'm Aline. And now you have to stop and you can't go into your whole podcast introduction because you're on our podcast. Where <laughs> we... <laughs> because we're librarians. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the streams are crossing. So this book, Hope Never Dies, I suggested it. Actually, a, pe- a few people did ask about this on Twitter And I thought I was being so sneaky by suggesting it. I thought I was going to give us a little break to kind of like transition back from flashback summer. And I thought we'd have this kind of like lighthearted, funny thing to read. And it would be just just a little transition before we get back into the real kinds of trash that we read for this podcast. Oh, Renata. (laughs) It's like the marketing, the cover, it just looks like such a goofy, fun kind of you know, Amtrak Joe and his malarkey and his ice cream cones. And I just thought it was going to be like a really fun read. And that's what they want you to think. And we are here to tell you. That is not not the case. Yes, it is not like that. Hope died around page 92 for me. (laughs) I think that it did kill hope for me entirely. And before we, like, super delve into all of the reasons why Hope is on life support after this book, um, (laughs) as you may, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you may know that Renata and I both saw the sequel to The Phantom of the Opera called Love Never Dies Mm -hmm. earlier this year. Right. fucking main song, Love Never Dies, has been stuck in my head constantly (laughs) since we decided to do this. So it's just this extra level of, like, badness an association that I have with this book now and I'm mad about it because there wasn't even like a weird underground kinky sex carnival in this book like there wasn't that musical well and I am heartbroken outraged furious however you want to characterize it I love Barry and Joe so hard As a concept. As the concept, as the bromance, as the prez and veep. I love these guys. And I felt like there was so much that they could plumb with it being a cool road bromance fun ride that I keep saying they and Andrew is just a he and I should hold him completely responsible for it. It's all on you, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do feel I do feel like Andrew is like, oh, I'm on a first name basis with him, I guess. I don't know. Um, Andy was like, hey, uh, people seem to really miss and appreciate Barack and Joe. 
but I don't personally understand why, I guess. And so I'm just going to just going to see what I can do. And so I feel like we end up with these this version. And of course, we don't personally know what Joe Biden and Barack Obama are like. We only know they're carefully crafted, crafted public personas. But this didn't feel right to me. No. And it's because we only know they're like public personas as like these goofy best friends who exchange friendship bracelets and like literally, literally they exchange friendship bracelets in case you forgot about that. Yes. So you would think (laughs) that if you wanted to tap in on the potential of people's affection for them, you would go for the thing that people know them as. Like I was expecting like a lighthearted buddy comedy mystery romp and instead it was like this like sad it was so sad it was so gritty yeah I didn't want gritty I didn't want like and honestly you know I know that adults obviously have issues with friendships and they're legit and like as an adult I have had many friendships wither and die just because I have grown apart from people or I've been in a bad mental health place and not been able to foster the friendship the way that I should but like this is like playground garbage yes the the disintegration of their friendship in this book is like something that I feel like I would read in a book aimed for a much younger audience like it's like sunset island it's like oh no you didn't tell me that you bought this jacket at the cheap boutique and i wanted that jacket and now we're not friends it's like that but it's the president and and it's It's like i've got read receipts on so i know you saw my text and you didn't text me back and we're in a fight now (laughs) except it's the president and the vice president Yes. And yeah. so so when this book starts, um, I'm not totally sure of a timeline. It's at least several months after their presidency and vice presidency has ended. And we open with Joe Biden just being like real mopey, um, throwing darts at a picture of Bradley Cooper because he read in People magazine or whatever that Barack and Bradley Cooper were best friends now. And throughout, we have this whole thing of Biden is just waiting for an apology from Barack and he feels so wronged by Obama and I don't know how to call these people and switching back and forth. I don't know. Anyway, he, he feels very uh, slighted and betrayed and he really misses Barack Obama. And throughout this, almost the whole book, I felt like it was very clunkily leading up to, there's multiple times where, where Joe thinks like, Oh, now it's narrated by Joe. He thinks like, Oh, now Obama's about to apologize for me. I'll finally get this apology I've been waiting for. And I, I didn't think it was going to be something major. I thought maybe like Obama forgot to send him a birthday card or, you know, ate the last ice cream bar. I thought it was going to be some kind of like reveal of a thing, like a, an actual slight that had happened. And there, there wasn't, like, a concrete thing. Like, he just was bummed that that Obama wasn't calling him. And Obama said that he thought that Joe Biden just, like, needed some space from him. And he wanted, like, to take a break after all the pressures of the White House. And so it was just this he, misunderstanding. And the other thing, too, was that he was like, oh, because one of the things that goes throughout is Biden keeps thinking, like, oh, could I run again for president? Like could I do it? Do I want to do it? And it's like an ongoing debate throughout the book that he's having with himself. And Obama literally says to him, like, if you want to run for president, you have to be out from under my shadow. So since I thought you were preparing for that, 
I was putting some space between us so that the media wouldn't like get all on you for you know, being under my thumb. That does not preclude you from calling or sending a message. <laughs> so that, it just that, means you don't appear in public together as often. And yeah. the thing that really gets me is that Joe is sitting at home, pining away, waiting for a call. And as my mom always likes to tell me, phones work both ways. <laughs> yes. If you want to talk to somebody, text them. Yeah, like, so, it would not be out of line, I think, for him to be like, hey, like, why aren't you, or even, like, inviting him out and giving Obama the space to be like, oh, like, I would love to, like, have dinner with you guys, but, like, here's my thoughts about, like, what effect my friendship will have on your relationship, or will have on your your for future candidacy, or something like that, but it's not... It's just, and at the beginning, at the beginning, like the book literally starts with Biden throwing darts at a picture of Bradley Cooper on a dartboard. And those first like three pages were actually pretty funny. And I thought that Obama was going to come in and like, you know, they were going to solve this mystery together to patch their friendship up and go on this like joyride of mystery solving together, which is not really what happened. Like it took a real downward spiral from like, hilariously throwing darts at a picture of Bradley Cooper to being like really sad and angry. Right. Yes. Well, I feel like this book was, was marketed like um, you need a break from the current administration and you want to go back to the good old days. Well, here's this book. And so I was so confused by the like breakup that happened off screen that I was, my, my speculation was that, Barack Obama was protecting Joe Biden somehow, like he'd oh. been threatened. Oh, and I didn't even think of that. That would have been good like, too. It must be that he can't have any contact with Joe because some kind of organization has said if you talk to him, then we're gonna kill Jill and or something. I was like, it can't possibly be this. Yeah, because um another ongoing concern is that Oh, you know what? We do have a timeline. It's been six months since they left office because after six months, the former vice president no longer gets Secret Service protection, but the former president gets it, gets service Secret Service protection for life, or if he chooses to, I guess, pay for equivalent private security. So Biden no longer has his own Secret Service guy, but Obama does have one who is named Steve. And so here's here's another thing that I didn't like is throughout this there's kind of this ongoing thread that Steve the secret the secret service agent doesn't really like Biden and finally he's like you know what like none of the secret service guys like you cuz you are a dick to all of us and Biden's like oh I just I felt really uncomfortable about having a secret service agent so I guess I was like really aloof to you guys but again Yeah that was weird and, like, I could maybe see that kind of happening, but, like, A, of all, you had eight years. Like, you wouldn't have addressed that at some point sooner than this. And then B, of all, again, going back to this, we like Joe Biden. We like him. Why are you making him such a dick, Andrew Schaefer? Right? And and maybe that was a real thing, that, like, maybe the Secret Service, like, didn't like Biden. I never heard that. I don't care for it. Well, if you're going to have a fantasy where he and Barack Obama are solving mysteries, you might as well focus on the good stuff you know what that's absolutely correct yeah and the other like oh my god there's so much there's so much before we even get into plot there's so much 
like we were saying earlier, you know, it, it's kind of marketed as this, like, oh, you're sick of the current administration, so, like, let's have go on an adventure with our previous besties. But all of the things that are happening with the current administration are kind of clumsily and depressingly woven into the story. Yes. Yeah. Where, like, they he, Biden will, like, talk about, like, healthcare rollbacks and rollbacks with like the Amtrak security and like cost cutting measures and like all of these things that he and Obama did together to make the country better that are being dismantled. So it's not like you're like living in this world where the political landscape isn't really commented on, but we get to see like these two dudes we love solving cool mysteries together. Like there's this constant depressing reminder that their time is over and the time that is now is not good. Yes. And uh, they never say Trump by name, but they call him like the tweeter in chief and some things like that. Like it's clearly is Trump and you could have just not mentioned it. You could have just not. Yeah. And the other, like, depressing part of it, too, is, like, this is really, like, a a treatise on Biden realizing that he's aging. Yeah, it's very that. The Uh, other main undercurrent in the story, besides, like, solving the mystery and his arguments with Obama and, like, their disintegrating friendship is him realizing that, like, he's not getting any younger and, like, he blows his knee out at one point and he, like, he he just, like, every chapter is, like, another way that his body lets him down and he, like, muses over it. And it's sad. It's sad. It's also, so there's that and then he's also constantly being fat shamed like at every chapter. Like they go, you know, they'll eat and Obama and Steve will order like plain grilled chicken and he'll get fried chicken and they'll tease him about it and he's like worried about his cholesterol and it's like, could you just, could you just let him like ice cream and could we just move on? No? Okay. Anyway, so that, I guess, is at least the tip of the iceberg of what's going on on a character level. Uh, I guess we can get into the extremely depressing plot now. Yeah, let's do that. Oh my gosh. So, Obama arrives to deliver the plot, and, you know, as mentioned, Joe's been sulking and throwing darts at Bradley Cooper... And then he realizes, and a lot of, another thing that we can get into is a lot of this has all the makings of like very homoerotic fan fiction, but then it never does anything with that. And I, I don't want it to, but it definitely does, you know, like Biden realizes Obama's there because he smells his cigarettes and he right. recognizes that specific smell. The trappings are there. Yeah, there's a, there's later they're going to have to share a bed because they're in a hotel room that only has one bed. Nothing happens. Let me Again, tell you, I that don't made me want scream. it to, but like, <laughs> what's what are you doing? Anywho, Obama arrives secretly and tells him that uh, Finn Donnelly, the Amtrak conductor of the Asela train, has been found dead on the tracks. And Biden knows this train conductor because he, you know, used to ride Amtrak all the time and they were friendly. And also uh, in Finn's body, like in his pocket, they found a printed out map of of how to get to Biden's house. And so that seemed like sort of suspicious, but they didn't want to give it to the police because they didn't want to bring Biden like officially into this investigation. 
and Biden decides he wants to kind of like look into this privately. Also, there's yes. so, like he's been hit by the train, but they're like, maybe he had a heart attack. Maybe he had an overdose. Maybe he just like wanted, you know, maybe he just went out to commit suicide on this train. Yeah, uh, they're not sure if he stepped in front of the train or if his already deceased body was placed in front of the train or if he passed out on the train tracks. So, and they also found in his pocket a little baggie of heroin. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they're like, oh, clearly he was high and he passed out on the train tracks and that's that, like, game over. Um, but Biden, and because, like, the, the other, another undercurrent is him thinking about how he considers, I mean, I guess this kind of goes into the friendship thing, like, all of these people around him who he considers friends and considers having connections to that have been, he hasn't seen them in eight years or more and he isn't connected to them anymore. So, like, he used to be friends with this guy, but he didn't know that, like, his wife had had a terrible stroke and care was really expensive and she was in an assisted living facility. And all of these, like, horrible changes that had happened in this guy's life because he, he actually hadn't talked to him in, like, 10 years. But he decides that he wants to go to the... Well, first, I think he uh, meets with a friend of his, Dan something or other who is a detective in the Wilmington PD who's been assigned the case because uh, they're old friends too in this like sort of, well, I haven't really talked to you in 10 years way. Dan's last name is not Caprese, but it was something that was like Caprese enough that it made me hungry every time his name came up. <laughs> and it made so, me think of Jennifer Capriati, the tennis player. <laughs> so it's so something like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dan Sandwich. <laughs> Um, so Dan Sandwich, um, (laughs) gives him some, like, vague background on the case, but, like, very clearly thinks that it was an overdose, thinks it was drug-related, doesn't want Joe getting involved, but Joe, of course, is like, well, I am useless now after no longer being vice president, so I'm gonna go to, like, this funeral and start investigating on my own, and when he goes to the funeral the gentleman's daughter like sees him and confides in him that like the life insurance company is going to be investigating because he took like a really big life insurance policy out on himself after his mother had the stroke uh, to help pay for her care if anything happened to him and they think that it was a suicide because of that and he's like oh no like i'm gonna look into it like i know your father like he never even so much as drank coffee like there's no way he was doing drugs like Like i'll get to the bottom of this that's the thing he's like like me he would never yes uh so he starts to investigate by talking to the like manager of the amtrak station or something He's like the shoe shiner guy who knows everything that's going on there. Yeah, he's well, called first, the... he, first he talks to the guy no, like the the, um, the official... what's his name? Boss. Yeah, he the talks to some official Alvin? Alvin and also the boss. Okay. They drive uh the boss drives him to where it actually happened. Right. So he could, like, poke around and investigate a little bit because he, like, gets the feeling the boss wants to tell him more. But then, like, he doesn't tell him anything more. So that was, like, kind of a pointless. That, that is a running thread of this book where you keep thinking something's going to happen. Right. And then 
nothing happens. And you're like, well, I guess that was a fruitful line of investigation. Yeah, so he visits the, the scene of where it happens, and then inside the station he talks to the shoe shine who's known as the mayor of Wilmington uh, and has been sh- shining shoes for like a hundred years and he won't tell Joe anything but he Joe gives him his card and he's like oh like if you think of anything like give me a call um and on his way out of the station at some point Obama's there and is like hey oh yeah out of the station he's gonna call an uber and Obama's there and it's like, hey, like, we thought you were being kidnapped when you got in that unmarked white van with those two strange men. <laughs> so we followed you. Yes. Oh, also one thing that recurs is that Obama has apparently purchased a, uh, like, reinforced SUV like the ones that he used to use as president and he calls it the Little Beast. And it's like a recurring thing that Biden is sort of like, doesn't like it, but also is jealous of it. Also, Obama's codename is Renegade, and Michelle's is Renaissance. Yes. So, like, Joe's frosty to Obama because he's still mad that they're not really friends anymore. And Obama drops him off at home, and... Fuck, what is... I don't even fucking know what the timeline is. At some point, they decide that what they need to do is go to the motel. They find out that... What the fuck is the name of the guy who died? Finn. Finn. Yeah. That Finn has been renting out his house for some extra cash and has actually been living in a motel to save money to help pay for his wife's care. So he and Obama decide to and like Steve. Well, Steve doesn't Steve. just die, but Steve, Steve is there. Yes. They go to first. They go to the Waffle House or AKA Waffle Depot. Waffle Waffle Should Depot. Should have been Waffle House. <laughs> and it's another excuse to fat shame Joe for eating hot and bothered waffles. Hash browns. Oh, yes. Oh, hash browns. Anyway, then he tries to get Steve to eat some of them. Steve gets sick and, like, throws up. And um, Barack and Joe use this as an excuse to flee away. Actually, no. First they no, went they to the hotel. hotel first. first they yeah, went to the they hotel. Then they, anyway, they went to the hotel. And this is a part that, like... Again, could have been kind of funny where Biden's like, you know, I've read mysteries or I've seen movies where they go and they'll like run um, run a pencil over the notepad to see like the last thing somebody wrote on the notepad. And he has all these ideas, but then they get to the room and there's a woman in it already. And this is gross. There's an undercurrent also in this throughout that Joe has kind of like gross thoughts about women. And so, which again, I don't like, and why are you doing this? But the woman they find has really long hair and he's like, I wonder how she goes to the bathroom without like peeing on her hair. Which, yeah, that was weird. What? So they think there's been a mistake and that the room has been rented out. And then they check in at the desk and realize like she wasn't actually staying in that room but by the time they figure that out and they go back up to the room, the long hair woman is gone. Yeah, but they go into the room and they notice that, like, a section of the carpet's been cut out and there's a stain that might be blood. And they go on some weird tear about Gideon Bibles for, like, five pages. And, um... Oh, they... this, this might have been after, actually, he went to visit his wife, at the Finn's wife, at the nursing home. 
And, oh right. And a and a minister who looked had was like very tattooed and like very cool looking minister went in to see her and he had a Bible, but Biden thought this guy was sketchy. I think that maybe prompted the the Bible talk. Yeah. So they they after they investigate the the hotel room a little bit, they try to call like this lead into the lead investigator on the case, but she's like a hard ass who doesn't want them anywhere near it. And who could blame her? Yeah, she's <laughs> she's a competent lady detective who does not need help from Joe Biden. Yes. And after and by that, this time, we're with her. Yeah, yeah. At yes. this time, we don't know why Joe Biden thinks he can solve a mystery. <laughs> um, so that's the point, actually, where they go to the Waffle House and, and Joe orders those weird hash browns and Steve eats them and throws up. And they use Steve's gastrointestinal distress to flee back to the hotel because they think he won't look for them there. Right, because first Biden's like, oh, we'll go back to my house. And Obama's like, no, that's the first place he'll think to look. And then he's like, you can't say my house either. And Biden's like, fine, I'll say the hotel. Whatever. So they, like, go in disguise, and disguise is, like, denim jackets and baseball caps. And uh, they... um, get a room for the night and have like this awkward and here again once again we have these weird homoerotic fan fiction constructs where they walk into the motel room and there's only one bed right and, like any literally any other time i was re- i would read a piece of fiction and it would be like and there's only one bed Woo. i would be super psyched right i'm but psyched I, I want that yeah i know what's gonna happen next i'm here for it so i picked this fan fiction up in the first place in this because I was like, oh no, thank you. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was not, it was not. Yeah. This is such a nice gift, but did you keep the receipt, Andrew Schaefer? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. I'll just find and replace my OTP. It's cool. <laughs> so then Wolverine and the Rock get in the hotel, and there's only one bed. There we go. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so they, they wake up the next day uh and nothing untoward happens and steve is there because he's not except this is a dramatic reading but it's it is one of the more delightful parts of the book and i do want to share that while they're trying to fall asleep in this bed that they're platonically sharing uh biden suggests they play uh Flotus, Potus, Scotus, where he names three powerful women and they say who would be first lady, who would be president, and who would be uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice, which is kind of adorable, except Biden makes it a little bit weird, but I like the idea of the game. Yes. It is. It was a much, yeah, it was It was about as, as good as that could go, I think. Yes. Uh, but the next morning, Steve's at the hotel because, like, he's not a fucking idiot. And he's figured out like where they ran off to in secret. Steve has a B plot of his own, which is that he's training to be like, get a promotion at secret service. And so he really doesn't want anything to happen because it'll look badly on him. And he's kind of got his own little, like I'm this close to my promotion. Don't fuck this up for me thing going. Yeah. And I don't fucking remember what happens after this. So, I mean, they, um, they investigate, they they visit the daughter, I think, again. And then you know, they go to the, the the gas station after that? Well, they, yeah, try, they, to, they try to see Alvin. 
But oh yes, right. Yes, Alvin. Yes. Alvin is the person who is driving the train that hit Finn's body, and he, they'd seen him at the funeral. And of course, he's very upset. And they talked a little bit about how that's very upsetting for train drivers. And actually, that is something I think that Alvin or someone points this out as a piece of evidence for. Well, if Finn was going to um, kill himself by suicide, he would not have done it by train because as a fellow train conductor, he knows how upsetting that is for train conductors. And he just like he wouldn't have done it that way if he was going to do it out of solidarity for train conductors. And specifically, I guess every train conductor works like every train has a conductor and an engineer and he and Alvin were paired together more often than not. And they were frequently paired together on the train that hits Finn. So like there's this added level both to Alvin's misery that like this was his partner who he hit with the train and also an added level to why would he commit suicide by train where like his train partner would be the one who had to watch it. Yeah, because that's that's fucked up. This whole book is fucked up. Yes. (laughs) By the way, spoilers, spoilers. Finn did not actually die by suicide. Uh, But Alvin did. Or by accident. I don't... I wasn't sure, actually. uh, Alvin did die of an overdose. Yes. And that, yeah, that was unclear because the character who we hear that from... Turns out to be a lying liar who lies. (laughs) Yes. So then when I had that, then I thought, oh, maybe Alvin also knew too much. But it was anyway. So he, they, Joe goes up to Alvin's apartment. And when he goes inside, the door is unlocked. That was the other reason I thought it was weird was the door was unlocked. Uh, And he finds Alvin's body next to an empty pill bottle. So the assumption is that he also died by suicide. And they leave and go to a gas station where Joe calls in the body to 911 using like a dumb fake name Joe Tingle Joe Tingler yes. yeah which a made me think of Chuck Tingle but it was because he was reading it off of like the novelty dispenser in the men's bathroom yes. this book is gross it is very gross and then when they're getting ready to leave he sees a guy on a motorcycle and the patch on the back of his motorcycle jacket matches up to the tattoo that the fake priest in Finn's wife's nursing home room had. So he Which, realizes... by the way, by the way, is for a very serious, very dangerous motorcycle gang that's called the Murder Town Marauders, which is like yeah. the most cartoon character dumb bullshit, but apparently it's very scary. Yeah, it was very... It was very weird. So they, he, Joe thinks that this guy must have know what is going on with the whole thing with Finn. So like he wrestles the wheel away from Steve or he, he drives or Steve goes into the gas station rest stop to get Obama to get him out around the back because he thinks that this motorcycle guy could be trouble. And once they're in the car. Joe like gets into a high speed chase, trying to follow the motorcycle guy, and then almost hits a cow, cow. like cow. a literal cow. Yes, cow. And so Steve is badly hurt in this stupid accident. 
Also, another stupid thing. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, Barack has gotten chicken fingers for Joe, but no sauce. And so, and he said that Obama made a joke about how Joe didn't like that the barbecue sauce was too spicy. So out of spite, question mark, Biden got like a huge thing of barbecue sauce at the gas station, like spicy barbecue sauce and like an open container barbecue sauce that then like flew around the car. But they had this really unnecessarily tense moment about like, seriously, Joe, like you're just like going to eat the spicy barbecue sauce to prove a point. Like, my guys, just be friends. Just be friends and eat some dipping sauce. Jesus. Yeah. So they get into, like, this big car crash, and they have to bring Steve to the hospital. So they call Dan Sandwich, Detective Dan Sandwich, (laughs) to come and tell him about, like, everything that they've learned so far. And he's real disgruntled because of Joe's meddling. The lieutenant has put him on, like, traffic duty and taken him off the case. So he's like pissy. And when they tell him like, Oh, this biker gang, the murder town marauders. So he's like, Oh yeah. Like they're like a big bad gang. Like you don't want to get involved with them. Leave the detecting to the detectives. He's real mad that the secret service like knows in on the investigation. And there's this belief among all of the police people that the secret service are doing this officially when really like Obama asked his secret service buddies to do him a solid because technically like the secret service doesn't work for him anymore. Mm hmm. So everyone is under the the um, impression that this is like an official federal investigation, but really like one Secret Service guy is doing a favor for Obama and, and helping him out by asking these questions. Um, Jesus Christ, what else happens? They go to the fucking, they go back to the daughter's house and she's real mad because the DEA has flipped the house. They had a warrant and they came in and searched for... Drugs. Something, drugs. And... And the when- long-haired woman is there and they confront her and she hits she hits Biden with a shoe. Yes. And she turns out to be an investigator for the insurance company. And the daughter is real mad at at Biden for some reason that seemed very, like, out of proportion to me. But I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, he he kept some piece of information from her. Doesn't matter. yeah, but it was, was it the, like the drugs in her dad's pocket or something. I can't remember. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, or even just the map, the map of Biden's house that was in his pocket. Maybe. Because either she or someone was like, oh, I just thought you were here because he was your friend. And Biden's like, but also this map. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I think it was the map. But whatever. It's he, She's pissed at him and, like, kicks him out. Um, and then he and Obama, Steve's in the hospital because of the car, car crash car crash um so obama and biden go to the biker gang headquarters and they break in and when o- biden goes in he's like i'm the vice president i'm the old vice president and like fucking listen to me and they're all like who and he's like i was your state senator for a billion years and they're like shrug emoji and then Obama comes in with a sawed-off shotgun that he took off some biker in the parking lot. And they're like, oh my god, that's the guy who killed Bin Laden. This again is a moment that I thought was genuinely funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is 
ludicrous. It's what it's I, absurd. I wanted the whole book to be that. Yes, no, I understand. I also I also wanted the whole book to be absurd. But then it, it does is... feel absurd because we have just come off of like 75 pages of like the opioid epidemic is destroying America. Anyway, yeah. here's Obama with a sawed off shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> So they, Obama's like, we're looking for a guy with this tattoo and the, the bikers help him figure out like what one of the gang members it is. And it's a so guy whose name is Taylor something. So his gang nickname is T-Swizzle as in yeah. Taylor Swift, which again, I enjoyed very much. Which I, I did laugh very hard at the line where when they're like, his name is T-Swizzle. That's the nickname for, and Obama's like, Taylor Swift, I know, I do have daughters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Obama and Biden take this guy, T-Swizzle, to a... A stor- fucking... Biden storage locker unit. Storage Not a locker, locker, a unit. Like a, like a storage wars box. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. And they interrogate him. And they have this, again, too fucking serious discussion beforehand about, like, torture is wrong and, like, Guantanamo Bay and, like, blah, 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 blah. But we'll just, like, rough him up a little bit. And it's like, guys, what? Yeah. And I don't even fucking remember what they find out from this. Wait, all right. This is where I really... So it took me this long to really, really, really lose my patience. Whoa. they're, like, threatening him and they have him handcuffed. And then Joe gets this call from a mysterious voice that he can't identify. And it says, meet me in an hour. So they decide to leave this guy handcuffed. Immediately, they decide to leave this guy handcuffed and go to the other place. And then when they get there, they're like, oh, we still have a bunch of time to wait before the meeting. So they just stopped interrogating him. Not only that, not only that, they left him handcuffed and Obama hit him in the head and knocked him out. That's right. That's dangerous That's serious but i was like we didn't learn anything and you also left before you could possibly learn anything but apparently not to be somewhere <laughs> then i was out about yeah it it was it, it just is like one fucking stupid absurd thing after the next so the mysterious voice turns out to be the insurance adjuster who turns out to be like this prodigy private detective who honestly i want a book about her right that's what i said why is this book not about her her name's abby todd she started solving cold cases online when she was a teenager and now i don't know she's in her early 20s like she revealed that she didn't vote for biden or obama because she was too young to vote for them yes and that she is, like, world-renowned for doing life insurance investigations and makes a mint and has been investigating this and found out that Finn was connected with this open DEA investigation uh, for trafficking drugs and that she didn't think that he died by suicide, I think, but, like, she thinks that his death had to do with that. And Biden's like, well, shit. And that was the first time we learned any information at all, really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I think after that, they have Obama and Biden have their big breakup scene where Biden is basically like, don't fucking talk to me again because you weren't returning my texts and we're not friends anymore. And yes. And Obama's like, oh, I mean, this is kind of about like what we said at the beginning. Like Obama's like, oh, I just thought I thought you were thinking about running. I thought you didn't want to hang out with me. And it's yeah. Fucked up. 
And, like, Obama even says, like, oh, like, why don't you and Jill come over for dinner? Like, come to our new house. Michelle would love it. And Biden's like, no, like, it's too little too late. We're not friends anymore. And it's just, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. And then and then it gets dumber because Biden goes home and he's like, and, oh, okay, by the way, Dr. Jill is always just leaving these notes that are, again, why isn't this book about her? Why is this book about anyone else? But she's like, Michelle solving mysteries. Yes, give us that. Anyway, she left to know that's like out to brunch, bottomless, bottomless mimosas. So back question mark question mark question mark. <laughs> but, I want to go drink bottomless mimosas with Dr. Jill. Yes. yes. <sighs> that, um, is, that isn't one of our would you rather scenarios, but it just we would rather do that than anything. Yes. But instead, we have to finish talking about this book. So. <laughs> under that somehow he finds a letter like he's had this letter in his house the whole time and he just hasn't looked at it I guess like there's like a pile of mail he hasn't gone through and he finds this letter from Finn that explains so that was really relatable because I have a pile of mail I haven't gone through I mean none of my old buddies has been murdered so how, do you, how would you know I, right maybe I should go through the pile oh boy. PSA from the worst best friends go check your mail right now for any murder notes okay yes. Anyway, Biden's got one, and it reveals this whole thing about how Finn realized he needed more money to care for, to pay for his wife's extended care, and, you know, budget cuts, insurance cuts, blah, 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 and he gets an offer from these shady guys that, as the train conductor, he can transport drugs, and no one will suspect him, and it's good money, and all he has to do is pick up this briefcase, or not briefcase, a duffel bag at the train station, and then drop it off at Lost and Found, and it's like, no big deal, and he says, yes, he'll do it. But then he realized it was wrong and he changed his mind. And uh, he's writing a letter to Joe Biden to let him know about this. And he lets him know that, like, where the duffel bag is and it'll, you know, mark him innocent or whatever. Yeah. So, and- he, so they said that he had directions to Joe's house, right? Yes. Not just his address. So, like, he sent him a letter and was also going to go there? I think the implication, like, and it's so stupid, I think that, like, the implication is that he Googled Joe's address because he didn't know it, and somehow directions to his house popped up on Google, or and he just printed it out. Or that he mailed him this letter many months ago and was like, I guess I should go in person since someone didn't open their mail. I guess. Well, he says when Dan Sandwich asks him later, he's like, "Oh, like I must have gotten it like over the weekend, but I didn't yeah. look at my mail." Hmm. But so so Joe goes to the train station and he picks it up, and he at first it looks just like gym clothes, but when he looks inside, he realizes there's a Monster Energy drink in there, but. He knows that Finn doesn't drink caffeine, and when he opens it up, it's actually a secret drug compartment. Dun, dun, dun. So he's going to take it back to Wilmington to the police, and when he gets on the train, Dan Sandwich sits across from him, (gasps) and he thinks, like, he tells Dan, like, what happened, and then, like, Dan seems really keen on them just pretending it didn't happen to save Finn's reputation, And in the course of this conversation, he reveals a detail that Biden hadn't mentioned yet about the energy drink. 
uh, about it being hidden specifically in an energy drink can. And so Biden's like, oh, no, Dan Sandwich is a crooked cop. But by then, I think Dan has already taken the bag from him. Yeah. And I would Dan... like to note that um, they left the biker guy alone with Dan after yes. they had their, or Joe left him alone with Dan after they had their breakup fight. And at that point, I was like, I have a note that says maybe Dan will kill T Swizzle because he's been involved all along. Ooh, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I, there were two things that I predicted basically from the start. One was that Dan Sandwich was involved, and the second one we'll get to in a second. Okay, good. Um, so, Dan Sandwich and a different one of the bikers, not T Swizzle, but this guy, Texas, uh, confront who's the one who uh, Biden confronted in the biker bar when they first got there that night. They corner him on this train, and there's like a fucking train fight. And Biden, like, pushes open the door and, like, starts to climb out on top of the train to get away from them. And then the other biker pulls him in because it turns out that he's secretly a DEA agent. And he's, like, knocked out Dan Sandwich. And, like, they're going to take him to justice. But then Dan Sandwich wasn't really knocked out. And then he pushes the biker guy off the train I want to say the other one's name is Jason, but Jeremy, I might just be Jeremy. Ah, I was gonna say I might just be thinking of Jason Statham, and I was. <laughs> no, yeah, Texas is named Jeremy. Yes, Texas. Yes. Okay. And then there's just like this revolving door of like who's unconscious and who's still fighting, and like who's beating up who. Joe and... Biden ends up holding on to a tr- moving train by his fingertips while hanging out the door or whatever. Yeah, and eventually, like, they get off the train because the train is pulled to a stop, and Obama and Steve show up, and once again, they think they've restrained Dan Sandwich, but then he gets a gun and he's not restrained, and here's the other thing I predicted. He shoots at Obama, but Biden goes to push him out of the way, and when he goes to feel whether or not he's been shot... His Presidential Medal of Freedom, which was in his pocket, stopped the bullet. Oh, yeah, I did think that was going to come up, yes. The second he pulled it out, I was like, he's going to get shot, and that Presidential Medal of Freedom is going to stop the bullet. (laughs) Yes. And so, like, again, here's the thing, is this is a book that has been so gritty and so, like, Biden's body is failing and his knee is swollen and his cholesterol is high and, like, America's in the garbage. But then he's, like, (laughs) doing train stunts and then, like, his dumb, like, metal is bulletproof. Like, pick pick a lane, Andrew Schaefer. Pick one. (laughs) Pick the... And pick the fun lane, honestly. Pick the fun lane. But uh, I'm really impressed that Kate and Anna were engaged with the text enough (laughs) to have been able to predict the things that were going to (laughs) happen. That that were going to happen. They they were not unexpected when they happened. But I was reading along and reading along and mostly like, oh yeah, right. Should have seen that coming. (laughs) So so go Kate, go Anna. So, uh, they, everybody goes to jail and there's like a big... Doesn't Dan get hit by a train and then come back to life somehow? And that's when he comes after Obama with the gun. So the way that we read this is we read it separately, but we left little notes to each other. And when Dan reappeared after having been struck by a train, I wrote, really? And then I moved my hand and I saw that Aileen had also written... Really? In the margin? <laughs> and I feel like this 
once you get hit by a train, which has been proved fatal earlier in the book, you shouldn't be able to then shoot someone or whatever. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's proven fatal several times a year in our great country. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, carry on. Uh, so the very end is just that, like, Obama and Biden have, like, patched up their friendship, and Biden, like, goes running with Dr. Jill and is in great shape, and... And, and they've gotten the correct information to the correct people, and Finn's family is gonna get, like, the insurance. Yeah. But also, it doesn't matter, because Finn's wife already died. Yes. Right. I mean, it still matters for the daughter, I guess. Yeah, and, like, essentially, it's like, all's well that ends well... Everything's great again. Tune in for the sequel. Yeah, a yeah. sequel is coming out. Uh, we're not reading it. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, it was. It, it was just. It was just I, nothing. Nothing that I wanted. Nothing that I wanted and came out of this. Everything that I didn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't tell me, oh, here's my great buddy cop drama about Obama and Biden and then have them fucking mad at each other for the whole time. Yeah, and and that, I guess, would be the one thing that would tempt me to read the next one is like, okay, like, that. now are they friends now? now? Does the next one start yeah. off that they're friends the whole time? But yeah. also, don't take this opportunity to highlight, like, secret characteristics that make them less likable. If you're going to go with the bromance that we know and love, then stick with it and don't make Barry really smug and condescending and don't make Joe a whiny little bitch. And like low-key racist at points. Low-key racist, low-key sexist, medium-key sexist, to be honest. Yeah, definitely medium-key sexist. Well, uh, just think... fucking write the Michelle and Dr. Jill book. God yeah, damn it. Yeah. You know what? I don't, tr- I don't trust Andy with this anymore. I think we need to write the Jill and the Michelle book. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Agreed. After we finish recording, I'll open up a Google Doc. See you in it. <laughs> uh, boy. Okay. Anything else to say before we move on to our dramatic readings? <sighs> no. Okay. Uh, I just got, I got madder and madder. <laughs> yeah, it's just not fun. That's well, I could have forgiven this book so much if it had been fun. Yeah, I'll read. Ton- I'll read tons of garbage if it's fun. Yes, well, and I may talk more about this in in the readers' advisory area. But you know, it was maybe trying to be a cozy mystery and maybe trying to be a gritty thriller, and it wasn't doing either one very well. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it more wanted to be like yeah like a noir mystery. And I don't a a of all I don't like that. The B, <laughs> B yeah, of all not how they marketed it. B of all not uh, how it was marketed. C of all Joe Biden's not a fucking detective. Well, yeah. I can understand that I can understand like the idea that Joe sees himself as a hard-boiled detective type. Okay, like, yeah. I yeah. can see that. You better start beating your gums. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, like, if you're, you're going to go that route, make it, like, a parody. Make it, like, because that could be a funny book if Joe thinks that he's a hard-boiled detective, but the reader clearly knows that he's not. Yes. Like, whereas, like, we're supposed to think that he kind of is in this. Yeah, yes. I don't know. And I'm, I'm extra mad. The thing that makes me extra mad, which is not the fault of anyone, is that <laughs> I had to buy this book. 
So oh, I spent no. $17.95 of my hard-earned American dollars on this garbage. Th- thank you, Patreon. Patrons. Yes, thank you, Patreon supporters. Well, we read an advanced reader's copy, so not even our libraries spent money on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I do want to mention, by the way, in case uh, in case you haven't heard of this, this is a legit New York Times bestseller. There is a wait for it at the library. Yeah, like, I put it on hold and it didn't show up. Yeah, it's been very heavily marketed as something Andrew that it's Schaefer not. Andrew took over the Quirk Books Twitter account just last night. Well, I I hope you're happy, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's do some dramatic reading. Okay. So right off the top, um, Anna and Aline are going to uh, be O'Biden receiving the plot directly hand delivered from Obama, his and... ex best friend. I offered a handshake. Barack turned it into a fist bump. It was a greeting I'd never been able to master, but I gave it my best shot. Barack smirked, just like old times. Thought you quit smoking, I said. He took another long drag off his cigarette. I did. I wiped my brow. It had been unusually hot and humid summer. In the past couple of years, I'd become more sensitive to temperature extremes. I was either too hot or too cold, never comfortable. It's been a while, he said. Has it? I asked, tracing a circle in the dirt with my foot. You keeping busy? I've been laying tile in the master bath. Barack laughed. (laughs) (laughs) If I'd known Jill was putting you to work, I'd have dropped by sooner. Michelle wants granite countertops, and I don't even know where to start. I'm sure Bradley Cooper could help. You saw those pictures, huh? Everybody saw them. Well, you know me. Laying low was never my style. I grunted a response. He put out his cigarette on a tree. I'm sure Jill's waiting, so I'll get right to the point. He returned the extinguished butt to his pack of Marlboros. Even when he was smoking, he was still a Boy Scout. There's been an incident I think you should know about. Of course. Now it all made sense. Barack wasn't here to rekindle our friendship. He was here on business. An incident, I repeated. Does the name Finn Donnelly ring any bells? Of course it did. Anybody who rode the Wilmington to D.C. line knew Finn Donnelly. He's an Amtrak conductor, I said. The finest one I know. He was hit by a train this morning. I'm sorry, Joe. Barack said something else, but I'd stopped hearing him. The news struck me in the chest like an open field tackle in a high school football game. I tried to speak, but the words caught in my throat. There was a time I'd seen Finn every day. Back when I was commuting to and from the Senate, we traveled thousands of miles together. After I became vice president, riding Amtrak was too challenging. Too many Secret Service agents and security protocols. I'd only seen Finn once since the election in passing. I'd spent the last few weeks thinking I ought to reach out to him, maybe try to catch up. But now, Barack put a hand on my shoulder, steadying me. I had a hunch you knew him. I wanted to tell you myself before you heard from somewhere else. Yes. Thanks, Barry. Business. He's there on business. Yeah. Ugh. Whatever. All right. <laughs> uh, now uh, Kate and I are gonna take over, and I'll be Biden, and Kate will be Obama, and uh, we're gonna play some POTUS, SCOTUS, or FLOTUS. We mentioned this earlier. Like I said, one of the better parts of the game uh, when they are sh- when they are sharing a bed at the hotel. Whatever, man. <sighs> All right. 
POTUS, SCOTUS, or FLOTUS. What's that? It's a game we used to play in the Senate while we were waiting out overnight filibusters. I name three women, and you say who you'd like as your... POTUS, SCOTUS, or FLOTUS. You got it. So, give me the names. Nancy Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren, and Hillary Clinton. Give me three different names. Sorry, I can't change the rules. It's a little demeaning to women. Who came up with this game? Strom Thurmond? Hey now, Strom may not have been Pope Francis, but he wasn't sexist. He was racist, Joe. The correct term is segregationist. Oh, that's so much better. You're avoiding the question. POTUS, SCOTUS, or FLOTUS? Nancy Pelosi, Elizabeth? Hillary for POTUS, Elizabeth for SCOTUS, Nancy for FLOTUS. I stared at him, incredulous. Nancy for FLOTUS? Not Elizabeth Warren? You're insane. Elizabeth Warren is the youngest of the three. That's why I'd seat her on the Supreme Court. You know age was the primary reason they tapped Gorsh. Fine. Gorsh. Gorsh. I think Gorsuch... I get all my news from Twitter. I don't listen or watch. I don't. Yeah, I have not listened to someone read news since I moved to Boston. That guy. Anyway, fine. But Hillary is POTUS. You're joking, right? Are you still bitter about the whole election? I could have beat that short-fingered clown in the general, Barack. I could have. Good night, Joe. Good night, Barack. Yeah, that's the other thing, by the way, we didn't even mention. I mean, except for, like, it lumped in with it being medium-key sexist. It's pretty anti-Hillary throughout, and I don't care for that. Yeah, I don't care for it either. No, no, that's not, that's not cool. Nope. (sighs) All right, and then um, Anna and Aline are gonna take us home. Yep, we have our, our breakup scene. I appreciate what you've done for me this weekend, Barack. I really do. But it's time for us to go home. And by that, I mean for you to head back to the swamp and for me to head back to the lake house. Joe, I need a little space. It's for my own good, right? Isn't that what you said? Don't be like that. Be like what? Upset? I have a right to be upset. Our little adventure this weekend was just fun and games to you. I see it in your eyes. To me, it was personal. It doesn't matter now. It's over. With any luck, I can sweet talk Esposito into keeping my name out of the news or at least reducing me to a footnote. But that would be par for the course, wouldn't it? I've never been anything more than a footnote. You weren't a footnote to me. You were my vice president. You were also my friend. Friends back each other up. What's that supposed to mean? I thought you were going to cover me tonight. You told me not to. You said you wanted to go meet your mystery man alone. You're not seriously mad about that, are you? If I'd been in your shoes, I would have never let you do something that stupid. No offense, but I would never do something that stupid. So that's how it is, huh? Just another case of Joe being Joe. Joe! Barack placed a hand on the dash. Joe! Don't Joe me this time, I said, starting the car. Don't ever Joe me again. Barack didn't say anything. He didn't have to. His silence spoke volumes. Barack and I were through. This time, for good. (sighs) Yeah. So that's a bummer. Yeah. So huffy, Joe. So... Again, this is a 70-something-year-old man, not a teenage girl in a formulaic YA series. Well, in a 70-something-year-old man who spent 30 years in the Senate, I'm thinking he should have a little tougher hide than that. Right. Also, he's married to Dr. Jill. I mean, 
He doesn't really need to seek companionship elsewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it, it's just such a strange choice also because, you know, if anything, again, Biden's persona is this kind of, like, fly by the seat of his pants, like, says weird off-the-cuff things, you know, kind of a goofy guy. And so you could see him... I think this absolutely could have been a really fun book where, you know, like like Kate was saying, like, he styles himself as, like, a noir detective and he... Or maybe somebody was saying this, that, uh, you know, there's a clear disconnect from how he's imagining himself and how it's really happening or or he's just sort of impulsively, like, bumbling into this. But this is not that. Anyway, let's play some Would You Rather. Yeah. Uh, First up, Would You Rather watch Love Never Dies, the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, or read the next Hope Never Dies book? So here's here's my thing. Love Never Dies is a garbage fire, but I was pretty drunk, and it was pretty funny. It was a funny garbage fire. Like, it was a good talking point for a while. Yeah. Um, and it was only, like, two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. This audiobook was, like, six hours long. So I think I'm going to have to say Love Never Dies. Love Never Dies, but, no question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that doesn't even seem like a choice. We haven't seen Love Never Dies, but we just went to see Phantom on Broadway. And so we're ready to take the next step in that chapter. No, you're primed. You got to find out what happens with Cherik. Right? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Aline. No, no, speak for me. <laughs> I don't want to read any more of these books. <laughs> No, I want I want it to be better. So here's the thing. Sometimes when an author starts a series, the first one is dreadful, and then they get their stride. And later in the series, the series is good and enjoyable and has its little tropes and everything that you can refer back to. So maybe there's a chance. You know, but I don't yeah, because maybe many- and maybe their friendship has been repaired. And so the whole new book is just both of them being bros. But it's nope. a risk. It's a real risk. I'm not giving it a chance. Mm-mm. At least not until I read a review from a trusted reader. Yes. Yeah, someone else can get back to us on the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm tagging in. I don't even own a television. You guys read that one and let us know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at us. <laughs> All right. Uh, ne- next up, would you rather ride Amtrak first class with Joe Biden or ride in the Little Beast SUV with Obama and Steve? No question. Absolutely the Little Beast. I do not want to be around more people than I have to on public transit. I have to do it every day. It is first class, though. Being in a nice big car with just two other people where I've got, like, four to five seats to myself, and I'm sure he's got all sorts of cool shit in there, and I don't have to fight anyone for an outlet. So just based on the car? The car and the amount of people in the vicinity of the, the vehicle. Got it. I kind of want to sit across from Joe in the first class car on Amtrak and play gin rummy. Mm, yes. But that's because I'm a big dork. <laughs> Agreed. See, you are a big dork. <laughs> yeah, for me, I am intrigued to see what Amtrak first class is like. And I would... <laughs> that without joe maybe yeah i guess i guess i probably actually could swing that i haven't really looked into it 
I like the bringing you menus thing that was a passing reference. Yeah, it seems fancy. And, you know, Biden, as I perceive him to be, seems like a fun guy. But, I, I mean, I think it mostly for me comes down to, like... I would rather become best friends with Obama than Biden, no matter how much I might enjoy Biden. Because af- actually, after reading this book, maybe I don't enjoy enjoy Biden at all. I don't know. Anna? I mean, I think I'm going to ride with Obama because my my experience of fancy um, Escalades and Amtrak first classes is, is equally non-existent. So I might as well ride with the guy that I'm more interested in getting to know. Yeah, we so can I'm talk about books. Obama. Yeah, Obama yeah. has so many books to talk about. Right. This is true. I want to do it if Steve is um, recast as in a later segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. All right, well, we'll move on so we can get to that. Um, how about, would you rather eat at Waffle Depot or Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie, that is also our sponsor? See, now this is tough for me, because as everyone knows, I do love a good waffle. And Steaks and, and Cakes has no waffles, only steaks and only cakes. Only steaks cakes. and only cakes. And it is especially, it is a hard time of year for me to be making this decision as uh, Dragon Con is this weekend, and I am not going for the first time in 10 years, so I will not be drunkenly eating Waffle House uh, at 3 yeah. o'clock in the morning after riding a Ferris wheel and drunkenly singing great Comet songs. So I'm, like, bummed and nostalgic. But at the same time... Steaks and Cakes has been very good to us as a sponsor, and you know sometimes I don't think you could get a full cake at at Waffle Depot. I just don't think they're going to bring out a full cake for you. So I'm going to have to go with Steaks and Cakes. Uh, we at Bellwether Friends headquarters are obsessed with Waffle House, and we are completely willing to try a cheap knockoff. Yeah, I just assume that Waffle Depot is Waffle House. Yeah, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the hot and bothered hash, yeah. you know, yeah. that's that's basically the So, thing. there's no contest. I can make a better cake than I eat out, so, but I, our waffle iron smells like electrical fire hmm. when we try to use it, so <laughs> we've been known to drive to Pennsylvania to go to Waffle House, so there's, you know, this is not really a it's only four hours from here. Right. Okay. Well, you guys should uh, go on that road trip, but also stop by my house because I've got Hello Kitty Waffle Iron and it works great. Great. Awesome. Uh, um, but of course, of course, I must eat it. I do also love Waffle House, uh, but I must stick with our loyal sponsor, Steaks and Cakes, and <laughs> give me that cake. Also, by the way, a few people have tweeted at us about the Midwestern chain Steak and Shake. I, yes. I know all about Steak and Shake. I'm from Normal, Illinois, which is the birthplace of Steak and Shake. I love Steak and Shake. They do have other things on their menu, though. Unlike Steaks and Cakes. Correct. So uh, that's not an option, but I would choose Steak and Shake over almost anything. All right. <laughs> and then uh, one quick bonus round, Flotus Potus Scotus with Hillary, Nancy Pelosi, and Elizabeth Warren. What are you ladies feeling? Uh, I'm going to have to actually break it the same way as Obama, Hillary for POTUS, as it should have been, Mm -hmm. uh, Elizabeth Warren for SCOTUS, and Nancy Pelosi for FLOTUS, with the same reasoning as him, with Elizabeth Warren being the youngest, uh, and Hillary 
is the POTUS in my heart. I'm swapping. I do want Hillary as POTUS, obviously. I want to marry Elizabeth Warren, though. And, uh, and Nancy Pelosi for SCOTUS. It's fine. Seems fine. So like Kate, and for the same reasons, I like... Uh, Obama's breakdown. I Elizabeth Warren is was a law professor. I want her to be running all of the things, and she can do it for longer. Escotus action and um, Hillary also the POTUS of my heart, and Nancy Pelosi's doing a real good job, and um, she's had like spectacular work done. So float us her up. <laughs> I. Just, just to be contrary, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Warren for POTUS, and uh, Hillary for SCOTUS, and Nancy Pelosi can be my arm candy floatus. <laughs> All right, well, well done, ladies. Uh, we'll move on now to readers' advisory, where we'll suggest some things to read instead of or in addition to "Hope Never Dies." Again, I got to say, if it's not clear, don't necessarily recommend this if you're looking for just like a fun mystery. Right. Just straight off, like, there's so many good murder shows that you could watch instead of this. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Any Laws or Orders, (laughs) Criminal Minds. I think Veronica Mars is a nice uh, amateur detective. Oh, yes. Coming back to Hulu, question mark. And um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, which we've talked about on this podcast about a million times, uh, has many key scenes that take place in Waffle House. And mm. I kept thinking about how much better those scenes were than anything in this book. Great. Yeah. Um, if you're nostalgic for Obama, I do recommend the movie Southside with You, which is a fictionalized version of Barack and Michelle's first date. I watched it like the week after the election. I just like sobbed through it. Um, I enjoyed that. I think if you're nostalgic for the Obama era, you should just check out Pete Souza's book of Obama photos, Obama and intimate portrait. And so there's probably going to be a little Joe in there, but like you can just look at it and feel all your feelings. The website, stop your killing me, which is a great resource. If you have someone that like wants to get started with mysteries, but doesn't know where to start. It's a great reader's advisory tool. Um, and it has a genre breakdown, including a list of mysteries featuring real people. So pick a real person who isn't Joe Biden and go with it. It's probably going to be better. Mm-hmm. So jumping off of what Kate said about uh, Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda having Waffle House scenes, there is a book called Let It Snow, which has three yes. interrelated novellas all set in a Waffle House when people are snowed in by Lauren Miracle and Maureen Johnson and John Green. And they are delightful and super Waffle Housey. This book was my introduction to Waffle House. And Aww. it was only after that that I ate at a Waffle House in real life and discovered the true joy of Waffle House. So, yes, I'm on board for that. I also have been a mystery reader since I was a tween. And Robert B. Parker writes a series, wrote a series of books starring Spencer, who is a dad joke cracking white guy. And his best friend and sometimes partner is the baddest of badass black guys, Hawk. And there are 40 plus books 
and they're set in Boston and they're awesome and they're wonderful and they shoot to kill and they have witty interplay and they're really good mysteries. Nice. Um, We've referred to this as real person fan fiction. In case you're not familiar, that is a huge genre of fan fiction that people write about like real people doing whatever. Um, I did a quick search just for science and I was actually pretty relieved that I didn't find, I didn't look very hard, but I didn't find anything that was like about Barack and Joe Biden, like having sexy times, which I think if it were out there probably would have come up near the top, but I don't know. Again, I didn't look that hard. So I just kind of wanted to let you all know that maybe, maybe that doesn't exist and maybe that's fine. Um, I looked a little harder. Mm. Uh, I didn't (laughs) see a ton of stuff. Um, but I will say that, um, like prior to the 2008 election, it was, there was a lot of political RPF, but mostly at the time, I believe it had more to do with Obama and Rahm Emanuel, Mm. um, among other folks. This is before Justin Trudeau was on the scene. (laughs) Yeah. And it was before of our own existence. Um, so I think that a lot of those things are probably like lost to time because I'm sure once AO3 got set up and people started importing stuff, like it might have been a case of like, oh, well, this was novel four years ago, but like, I don't give a shit if anyone ever sees it again, kind of flash in the pan thing. That um, makes but sense. I don't remember ever seeing any Obama Biden stuff in a and, shippy way. And again, I just want to be very clear. Don't want it. Yeah. Don't want yeah. it. I just wanted to report back to you the good news question mark. Um, <laughs> I have one more thing I do want to share. It's a young adult novel called To Be Honest by Maggie Ann Martin. I liked it very much. Uh, here's my connection between that and this book is it's about a uh, fat teenage girl. I forgot her name, but she's a great character. And she um, she's investigating some corruption in her high school for the school paper, which I liked. And also, I like that it's like a fat positive book, and she is like chill about it, unlike this book is regarding Joe Biden. So, to be honest, by Megan Martin, much more fun than this. <sighs> all right, so we'll have all of these and maybe some other stuff up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we'll suggest a candy to accompany this book. My candy pairing for this book is a box of White House M&Ms that your mom has been keeping in the freezer since she got them on a White House tour eight years ago, just because it was so novel and wonderful and a reminder of the Obama administration until you open them. And they're actually just kind of like stale and generic and not at all what you really wanted. That shot of like concentrated hope and happiness that you were jonesing for. That sounds right. All right, mine is, there's a part where, first of all, Biden is obsessed with the fact that Delaware State beverage is milk, apparently. Multiple times in this book, he drinks milk. Uh, At one point, he asks uh, Finn's daughter for a glass of milk, and she brings him almond milk, and he is horrified. And so my candy pairing is a glass of almond milk, but you really wanted chocolate milk. And my candy pairing is a trip to Waffle Depot because you think they're going to have the same menu as Waffle House. But so you order the fancy waffles and it turns out that they're soggy and sad. 
And mine is the Reese's peanut butter cup that you were craving all afternoon and you stopped at the store and you picked it up and you opened it and you were ready to eat it and you bit it and it was all dried out because the bodega didn't turn over quickly enough. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Terrible. All right, now it's time for our favorite game, The Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Anna and Aline will pick which most enhances the book, but also, in this case, we'll share a special bonus round that we'll get to in a minute. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, uh, he would, like, just be Steve. There, that would be it. There would be no changes in the book no additions to the book it just it would be mentioned in a physical description of steve that he was dwayne rock johnson yeah well if wolverine were in this book he would be friends with abby todd who was the precocious young insurance investigator um and so we would know that he is the one who taught her how to hit someone with a shoe and also, we didn't mention this, but there's a point in the book where Abby mentions that she was so confident that this case would be easy to crack that he didn't even she didn't even ask anyone to watch her cats for her while she was out of town. Oh, Abby. And um, Biden says, oh, are your cats okay? And she says, they're fine. They're very resourceful, which is <laughs> a little curious thing of a thing to say, Abby. Anyway, if Wolverine were in this book, he would watch her cats for her so she would know that they were safe. Other than that, it would all be the same. I don't think he can do a lot to help this book, to be honest. I was going to say, oh, I, w I wish yeah. you guys had changed the book more. <laughs> I know, this book could use a change, but like Wolverine just, Wolverine's not going to fuck around with Joe Biden detective. He's busy watching Abby's cats. And so our bonus round is a is sponsored by the Meg. And <laughs> in, in our bonus round, very similar to Kate's round, <laughs> Jason Statham plays Steve, and he saves every situation by punching it in the nose while whispering, It's the Megalodon. <laughs> uh, so for the original question, I, I'm going to go with The Rock, because uh, even though Steve um, has some indignity that he has to suffer, it would be better if we could see The Rock more often. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's always better to see The Rock. And I really like, um, I want to like go over to the apartment building where Wolverine and Abby Todd live and just spend some time there. And I don't know if if we're like shoehorning it in between some chapters or if we could just do a choose your own adventure and go over there and you play with the cats. Back. And, yeah, and play with the cats. Um, that, that's what I want to do. But generally I want to insert, I want to like sub rock, um, sub the rock in for any given character in a book. So we're going to go do, with The Rock. Yeah, I think we're going with The Rock. Because I do like The Rock better than I like Jason Statham if I had to, like, choose between them. Yeah. But we don't, because they're going to get their own spinoff together <laughs> of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> don't have to choose. Uh, this is going to be the best. Hashtag blessed. Can't wait. Uh, but that's for another time, I suppose. Uh, back to this book. What do y'all think the moral of the story is? Uh, the moral of the story is that you need more than a punchline to write a book. Mm. Friendship is magic. Uh, communication between partners is very important. Men have feelings, too, is my moral. Apparently true. All Ugh. right. 
And now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Alright, Duarte, you're right. It was extremely irresponsible of Abby not to arrange for a cat sitter. And I would never do that to you. Don't worry. You know, and also, given the way that she says they're resourceful, I mean, there might be more going on there than we know. So we probably shouldn't vilify her quite yet. And so we learn a little bit more of the situation. But I totally understand why you would be so upset. How do you think she got so precocious and uh, world famous as a detective? She obviously has cat friends helping her find stuff out. Hmm. And again, would love to have seen more of them in this book, but all right. All right. Well, Duarte, thanks. Thanks for reading this. I know it was disappointing for us all, but I appreciate you chiming in here. And now, do humans have any closing thoughts about Hope Never Dies? I'm glad it's over. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, it was worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Hope has died. R.I.P. Hope. <laughs> All right. Well, Anna and Aline, thank you so much for joining us for this. I'm sorry it wasn't what we thought it would be. But talking to the two of you is always fun. Always a pleasure. And speaking of the Meg, well, now now I'm jumping ahead in our closing spiel, but I don't care. I do what I want. Speaking of the Meg, uh, look look for me on an upcoming episode of Bellwether Friends. We talk about sharks, sharks, sharks. Talking about the Meg uh, featuring our editor, Becca, as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we got to schedule that. <laughs> we'll get right on it. In the meantime, if you want some more of us at Worst Best Sellers, you can like us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash Worst Best Sellers. We are on Twitter at Worst Best Seller with no S because um, the S is for Steve and he really needs it if he's going to get that promotion. <laughs> Which, by the way, spoilers, we find out he did get the promotion. So good job, Steve. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group where we talk about these books in a little more detail. You can find that from our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pushes us up a little bit in the charts. It makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, then we're going to have to make like a really awkward, unlikable caricature of the 44th vice president of the United States break into your house and threaten you or something, I guess. Um, we also have a Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, at Patreon, you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes towards our operating costs and helps us do all sorts of things to make the podcast better. And uh, you, in response to that, will get some perks, including access to merchandise. Uh, but you don't have to be a Patreon subscriber to get access to merchandise. Patreon subscribers just get a little bit of a discount. Uh, but anybody can go to our website and click on our store to find all sorts of T-shirts and notebooks and stickers and clocks and, and a, scarves. And a, and a onesie to prevent werewolves from imprinting on your baby. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, thank goodness. And many types of clothing with all sorts of stuff from our podcast on it to wear on your body. Yeah. We should do more merchandising. We should do some <laughs> merchandising. You should. I you should. You can find us on Twitter at Bellwether Friends without the 
I E <laughs> without the vowels because you haven't purchased the the vowels. Right, you haven't purchased the vowels. B E L L W E T H E R F R N D S. And you can also find me on Twitter at Surly Spice. You can find me at Helga Grace. You can find me at Renata Snacks, frequently tweeting about Jason Statham. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at 14across. I am still on Twitter hiatus, so I'm not saying much over there, but you can look at pictures of clouds on Instagram and look at, like, random fucking Adventure Zone fan art and shit on Tumblr. <laughs> Ooh. Hooray. Uh, we will be back in two weeks, and uh, I'm so excited. It's our... It's our anniversary spectacular, and you may have realized that we have run out of Twilight books, which we've traditionally read every year on our anniversary, and we've got something really special that I cannot wait for y'all to hear. I'm very nervous. I hope it comes out good. I'm excited, though. Happy anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary, y'all, and to us as well. I was going (laughs) to say, happy anniversary to you all as well. Raise a glass. Cheers. Um, all right. Well, Anna and Elaine, thank you again so much for reading this with us. It's, it's... Thanks for having us. Maybe we can do something fun next time. <laughs> we will we'll try our best. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll see what we can do. Um, but it's, it's always a delight to have you with us on our podcast journey. And, thank uh, you. Thanks. Thanks. It was good talking. Bye. 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 Bye.